This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. He is worthy. Good morning to all of you. I'm glad you're here today to worship him. As you can see, in just a little while, we're going to be partaking of the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. We commonly call it communion. Pastor Joe has invited me to share a few thoughts regarding that uh, this morning. And so I think it's befitting us that we get right to it. I'm going to be reading a passage from the Old Testament and then one from the New. Perhaps you would like to turn to that. It'll be perhaps projected on the screen. Exodus chapter 12. It's the account of God... uh, about to pour out the tenth judgment upon Egypt, but he gave a remedy to the Jews if they were to find a perfect lamb and apply the blood to the doorpost of their houses. The second New Testament passage is found in Luke chapter 22, and we'll begin our reading there at verse 7. But first of all, Exodus chapter 12, verse 1. I'll read fairly rapidly for the sake of time. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb. Sometimes we call that the paschal lamb, the perfect lamb. Take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for the whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight, in other words, dusk. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw, are boiled in water but roasted over a fire with the head and the legs. Some of us get queasy here and the internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it. With your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, eat in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. But the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is the day you are to commemorate 
for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. Now you may wonder why I've gone back to the Old Testament as a kind of foundational scripture for what I will share with you today. It's because God revealed through his dealings with the children of Israel, or the Jews as we call them, God revealed through them himself to all of the world. The scripture says the things that happened unto them happened for our examples. And so as we see God's dealings with the Jews, we understand something more about God's dealings with us as his people. And I've said it this way. The Old Testament sometimes reveals the bones, if you will, whereas the New Testament presents the completed work, the finished work of redemption. Crude illustration. But you see me standing before you here as one, as one unit. But a, a little while back, I had an MRI. I have the CD of that in my house. I got the opportunity of seeing that MRI, that CD, and I discovered that, well, a lot of things, my bone structure my sinews, my vessels, all of that was revealed by that super x-ray. And sometimes when we look at the Old Testament, we see the component parts, whereas in the New Testament, we see the entirety of the finished work of redemption. Let's go now to Luke chapter 22. At verse 7 we read, Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb. Hold in your mind that across all these centuries, year after year, the holiest of all days was celebrated called Passover. And Jesus is now about to participate in that. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it, they asked. He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all finished, make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, This, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new, co the new covenant, the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. 
before I make the application, let me just state for you how shocking, how, how utterly astonishing it was for Jesus to have the audacity and the authority to declare, I'm supplanting the Passover celebration, the Passover festival, the holiest of all your days that you observe annually with this succinct uh, celebration of the Lord's Supper. I am the Paschal Lamb, <laughs> and my blood will be shed for the remission of your sins, and it is my body that will be broken on behalf to effect your salvation. That had to be all of the festival. It had become something akin to our Christmas with all the celebrations and the trappings and the additions across the years, and it was perhaps similar to that. People came from all over the country to Jerusalem to celebrate this high holy day. And Jesus said, now, when you partake of these emblems, think of me and remember my sacrificial death on behalf of you. So that with a background, let me share with you what it meant to these ancient Jews still living under slavery in Egypt. Remember, it had been 600 years since Abraham, their ancestor, had received the promise concerning uh, the promised land and a land that he had designed for them. 400 of those years, they have been in slavery to Egypt. And God now has said, the time has come when I'm going to lead you into the land that I promised your ancestor Abram, Abraham and he sent Moses, you, you recall, without going into detail, he sent Moses to lead them out. But Pharaoh would have nothing of it. <laughs> and he stubbornly said, I will not allow them to go. And so God began to, uh, to impose upon uh, Egypt a series of plagues. And with each of those plagues, it became far more severe. It's now the time for the 10th plague. And God says, okay, get ready, Jews. I'm going to send my death angel into your land, and this night he's going to pass through the country and visit every household, but I want to do something different and significant for you. I want you to take a perfect lamb. A lamb one year old, it has to be perfect. Catch it up on the 10th day and keep it for about four days to make sure that it's impeccably perfect. Then on the 14th day, evening that is, at twilight, you are to slay that lamb, save its blood, and apply its blood to the port, the doorpost of your households. And when I send my death angel, he shall take the first born of every household. He shall take the first of the flock. He shall take the first of the herds. But when he sees the blood applied to the doorpost of your house, he will pass over you. Oh, hallelujah. A new day is about to dawn. They have no comprehension of what all is involved with that. 
So I suggest to you, first of all, in talking about what this meant to the ancient Jew, it meant perfect safety. They had the blood applied to their doorpost and to the header over their door. And when the death angel passed, they were spared. Hallelujah. Can I just make this observation, though? That death angel didn't peer in and say, wait a minute, I don't think this one's worthy. I don't think this one is a candidate. None of them were worthy. Do you understand that, friends? None of them were worthy. In all likelihood, they were not God-fearing people by this time. Remember, 600 years is a long time. They had only faintly heard about the legends as though they probably assumed them to be concerning their ancestor, Abraham, and the promises that had been passed down for a few generations. And they probably had taken on much of the culture of Egypt. Some of them may even have worshipped the Egyptian gods. And so as the death angel peered in, he did not say, oh, these are good people. These are God-fearing people. They deserve to be spared. He looked in and saw them in their present condition of darkness and lostness and slavery without hope in the world. And he says, because of the blood, the sacrificial blood of the Paschal Lamb, I will pass over them. Friends, I want to confess to you that I am not worthy. I have never been worthy. My friends, I was steeped in sin as were you. I was born in sin. Yes, yes, yes. There were expectations of them. Once God delivered them, they were to follow the pillar of cloud fire. When it moved, they were to move. When it stopped, they were to stop. They were to obey. They were to trust him. They were to eat a whole different menu. They had an entirely different destiny. <laughs> and more than that, they were now declared to be the people of God. Hallelujah! In spite of their past, they were now God's people. And it was only one thing, one thing and one thing alone, that gave them that designation. And that was the blood of the Paschal Lamb that had been applied to the doorpost. But more than perfect safety, it meant for them provided sustenance. That is, Jesus is our living bread. He says in one place, unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you will have no part of me. What the, <laughs> Many of the, his followers said, that's, that, that's too hard. But what he meant was that Jesus is to be our spiritual bread of life. We feed on him. He is our sustenance. But notice what these ancients were commanded to do. First of all, they were to eat the Paschal lamb in its entirety. That would have been a little hard for me to do because I have a bit of a queasy stomach. Yes, I'll take, I'll take a leg, thank you but I was handed a part of the entrails. Yikes! What this suggests to us is that God doesn't present a smorgasbord nor a buffet for us. Oh, I'll, 
I'll take a little bit of that. But no, I don't like that, so I'll reject that. Yeah, maybe something over here. Are you listening to me? God wants us in our entirety. Not 25 percenters. Not 50 percenters. Not even 75 percenters. God wants us completely, and we are to take him completely. He is our sustenance. They were to eat it with bitter herbs. I've wondered about that. Probably as a reminder of, of the hardships they had endured and what it would mean even to exit the country. Can I just tell you that while I'm elated and I sing Hosanna for my redemption, can I tell you that repentance was not a pleasant thing? There were tears, a sadness as I reflected upon my, my sin, my wickedness. And when God says, I want you to go back and make that restitution and, and, and confess to that, that storm and what you stole, that wasn't a pleasant thing. And there was a, there was a sense in which there are bitter herbs with this exodus but I want to tell you there was more than that. It was glorious deliverance. And by the way, by the way, I've observed across the years that when we take these emblems, often it's with a sad, dour countenance and, and a bit of reflection. Hey, crowd, it's a celebration. We have been emancipated. The price for our redemption has been paid. And yes, there needs to be some reflection. Thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice of your son. But I've been redeemed. I'm a new people. I'm headed to a new journey and a new place. Hallelujah. And so put a smile on your face. Amen. Amen. Come on. Act like you're going to act when the Chiefs win while I have to walk. They were to eat it with unleavened bread. Leaven is always a type of putrefaction and spoilage. And again, the emphasis here is on the holiness of the one who will be the fulfillment of this Paschal lamb. As much as I like yeast rolls, it's a kind of a fungus among us. And, uh, and uh, so it was to be eaten without yeast. And then finally, they were to eat it fully clothed with their sandals on, staff in their hand. And they wore tunics in those days. Those tunics were to be pulled up and tucked into their belts because in the morning, in the morning, in the morning, we're going to make a journey. We're going to head off to a new land, a land that has been designated. Hallelujah! That's going to become reality one of these days. So... The last thing I would suggest that um, it had prophetic significance and it looked forward to a time when Jesus would be the perfect fulfillment of this event that happened so many centuries ago there in the land of Egypt. I share a personal story with you in closing. A number of years ago, Pastor Joe will relate to this, though he's been there so many times. I've only been there a couple. 
But it was my first trip to the Holy Land. Woo! Was I ever excited. We prepared. We got our passports, made sure they were all up to date. We packed our suitcases. We traveled to New York and got a motel and stayed the night. The next morning, we, would, we were to board that 747 and head off to the Holy Land. Oh, I was so excited. They said, it's going to be a long flight. So you need to sleep aboard that 747. Forget that. I was so excited. I was going to walk where Jesus walked. I was going to see Galilee. I was going to see Mount Zion. I was going to see uh, the Garden of Gethsemane. I was going to see where they said the, the tomb was. Whoo! I was excited. See, it went right out the window. But there was something else I was anticipating. I had been connect, or contacted early. And the guide said, be prepared, Richard. Back in those days, I better, did a bit of singing and did a bit of recording. And one of the songs that I had recorded was the song, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Majestic and wonderful and awesome song. He said, bring that with you. Bring the music. I'll tell you when it's appropriate to sing it. And so, after all those hours of flying, finally, we got to Tel Aviv. And my problems had just begun. They were, they were so conscious of security, they parked the plane way out on the tarmac, and we wondered what was going on. And finally, soldiers stepped into the aisle of that plane, bristling with guns. And I declare to you, if they didn't march right down that aisle and come directly to me, scared me to death. What are you doing here? What's your name? What's your hometown? Blah, blah, blah. They rapid fire. I said, whoa. I said, I'll answer, but give me time. <laughs> Finally, they let everybody into the terminal. Everybody else sailed right through security. Not me. They put me in a side room. They frisked me up and down. And then they began furthermore to once again to apply me with questions. Why are you here? Why have you come? Just as a tourist to see the country. No, your name is Beckham. You're a Jew. You're trying to sleep, slip into the country without going through the proper channels. Your name is Turkish Jewish. I said, that's news to me. <laughs> I thought, I'm not going to make it in. I'm not poor Wanda. They're going to send me back. She'll have to go this whole journey by herself. But finally, they poured over my passport, and they saw that everything was in order. They let me through. Everybody was restless. Where's Richard? Where's Richard? What's my fault? <laughs> I was there finally. We boarded that tour bus, and we began the journey up through the hill country, Judean hill country. And I was watching that guide, for he had told me it's, it's close. And finally, the bus pulled off into a, 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 a turnout where we were overlooking a, a valley, 
and a panorama view. I didn't even know what I was looking at for sure, but the tour guide nodded to me and he said, it's time. And he handed me the microphone of that tour bus and I was able to say, ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor and privilege to present to you the holy city, Jerusalem. And the music began to play and I began to sing that marvelous song, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, lift up your voice and sing Hosanna in the highest. Can I tell you something? I wasn't prepared for what I was about to see. It was an electric moment. That tour bus broke into pandemonium. People were standing with their hands Held heaven, were worshiping. Tears were streaming their, down their feet. Glory to God was heard throughout that tour bus. For we were looking for the first time on the earthly holy city, Jerusalem. But my dear friends, in closing here this morning, I want to tell you there's a day grander, far more sublime than anything I've ever described to you when Jesus is going to say, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, in Christ, I present to you the holy city, Jerusalem. And you may be composed now. You may be reserved now. <laughs> you may not be very emotional in this service. But I want to declare to you, you're going to lose all of your inhibitions. You're going to be like that final touchdown when the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. You're going to go nuts <laughs> as you sing Hosanna to the highest. But one thing you've got to have, you've got to have the passport. And Jesus' blood applied to your heart is the only passport. Let's stand. Musicians come. We're going to partake of this sacrament here are the emblems, and Jesus said, as often you do, he remembers me. If you're not a member here, but know the Lord Jesus Christ, you're welcome at this table. If, if, if you're a child, you're welcome at this table. Make your way. Would you please do one thing? Hold the elements until all are served, and then together we'll partake. God bless you. Let's partake of the Lord's Supper, remembering all that it signifies. Perfect safety, wonderful provision, and a projection of what will be when he makes his return. God bless you. Come, 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 come. This, these baptism Sundays, except for Easter, is probably my favorite Sunday all year. And uh, I, I'm so excited because today I get to present for baptism um, my buddy, my, uh, an, an awesome, sweet girl, um, my friend Danica Lowry. Uh, Danica was participating in what's called Funny Fish, which is uh, for the kids' church on Sunday mornings. Uh, there's some of the older kids that help lead uh, kids' church. And she was at Funny Fish rehearsal when they come and get ready for Sunday with Miss Tessie. And she got to... Uh, part of the, the Bible lesson that they were preparing, and she, just, she said to Miss Tessie, 
I want to follow Jesus. I want to make this decision for me. And so uh, right there in October 2019, just uh, three, four months ago, uh, she decided in Funny Fish practice to follow Jesus for herself. And she said, I'm all in. I'm, I'm doing this. And uh, since then, I, I talked to her mom and, and Miranda said that her anxiety issues have been a lot better since. And just the fact that she's actually agreed to be baptized today is one of the evidences of God's working in that part of her life. Um, and she's, uh, Miranda sends her to school with a verse of the day. And, and sometimes Danica just responds with such light and such joy to that. And Danica's pretty shy about things about faith, but she told her mom uh, a couple of weeks ago, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be baptized. I'm going to do this. And so it is really a big honor and a big privilege to be able to present Danica Lowry for baptism this morning. Would you give her a hand? <laughs> my daughter, Caitlin Curtis, um, for baptism today. She went to a um, church camp out at um, College of the Ozarks, and it's called uh, Camp Lookout. She went with her best friend, Jude. Her and Jude had a really bad year. Um, Last year, Caitlin lost a classmate. Jude had a pretty debilitating diagnosis. And they both went to camp together, very scared. And they were, there were a lot of tears the day that they left. They were both nervous about not having their parents with them for a whole week. And that lasted about two and a half minutes, and then they forgot they ever had parents the rest of the week. (laughs) So they had a wonderful time. And for as many moments, thank you, for as many moments of fun that they had at camp, they also had moments of reflection and prayer. Hang on. Uh, When Katie came home, she had a lot to tell us about camp. Um, And she was so excited to tell us everything that she had done. And of course, you know, coming home from Branson is a long trip, so we heard a lot. And when we got home, she had such an urgency. We got home really late. She had such an urgency. She couldn't even unpack her bag or anything. She wanted to immediately um, sit down on the couch and give her life to God. And we stayed in contact with Jude. And Jude did the same thing when she got home, too. 
These girls are very cute. They're only in fifth grade, but they call each other a lot. And when they're together, they pray about the upcoming school year. And this year, thank God, has been so much better <laughs> for both of them. So, what was the day? It was July 27th at 10.40 p.m. Caitlin asked God to be in her life. Asked him into her heart. Um, Galatians 3, 26 through 27 says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. I kind of like the New King James Version better. It reads verse 27 as, For you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So on the day that the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, just my humble prediction, <laughs> God's kingdom has won the souls of these young people today. And that is worth celebrating. Today, I am so excited to get to present Shane Torres for baptism. God has given Shane a hard head, which we've learned about a little bit in Sunday school, but also a very loving heart. As Shane began to seek God here at church and at home, he has found that he needs God in his life. God has captured Shane in his loving arms and Shane has made the decision to give God control of his life. Shane has prayed to God to forgive him of his sins, and he prays often for God to help him. Just as Paul prayed for the Philippians, I pray for you that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best in your life. And may you be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes only through Jesus Christ. As I spoke with Shane about his decision to follow Jesus and to make him Lord and Savior of his life, I wanted to make sure that he knew that this decision was not the end of the story, only the beginning. I thank God that today Shane knows that Jesus died for his sins. I thank God that Shane has chosen to allow God to reign over his life. And I praise God that Shane has decided to follow Jesus. Shane, I'm rejoicing with you today in your decision to publicly proclaim that you are ready to follow God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Shane Torres.
morning, I am honored to present Carson Rader for baptism. She, it has been a joy to see her grow closer to God each week. Her commitment to Funny Fish, the kids' church leadership team, has opened her eyes to what serving God looks like. And her heart has, for God has blossomed <clears throat> as she leads kids in worship each week. Carson began feeling God's call on her life this fall. And one Sunday, she and a friend came to me and said they were ready to be baptized. And I told them, we can talk after class. Then toward the end of class, we had a prayer time. And during that time, Carson came forward to pray. And she prayed that God would forgive her of her sin and ask Jesus to help her live for him each day. And just as Ephesians 3.17 says, then Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust in him, and your roots will grow down deep in his love and keep you strong. Christ has made his home in her heart, and her roots of faith continue to grow down deep in his love and will continue to keep her strong as she faces each day. And I believe that Carson is a qualified candidate for, for baptism. going to ask you four to please come forward and just stand right here. Wednesday night I had, uh, yeah, come on up here with me. Wednesday night I had an opportunity to talk with each of them and um, they truly love God. They don't have it all figured out yet, but you don't either and I don't either. But they know one thing, they want to serve God the rest of their lives. So guys, are you ready? Go get ready. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.